on this episode of Pine State Gothic. Seems like right away I remember just weird stuff happening and being afraid, especially in my room. There wasn't a night that went by that you didn't close the bedroom door because if you didn't, it felt like you were being watched or that something was coming out of the closet at you. The neighbor girl was like, hey, if there's anyone here, give us a sock. Well, the candle blew out and the door slammed shut. It seems every town in Maine has that house. The house that sparks imaginations and lends itself to tall tales. In my little one-stoplight hometown, it was a large abandoned Victorian on a quiet side street that we could see from the outskirts of the elementary school playground. My schoolmates and I would often traipse out beyond the swing sets to the grassy field, past where the teachers wanted us to be, and watch the windows for signs. Every now and then, we swore we could see the thin, yellowed curtains moving. Once, a face, a woman, watching us, and then gone again. It seemed like she was waiting for what we never knew. Recently, I drove by my old school just to see what might have changed and what remained after 25 years. The house is now remarkably a home, lawn manicured, exterior painted, and, I hope, loved. But I have to wonder if that woman is still there, and if she finally got what she was waiting for. I'm Leah Watkins. On this episode of Pine State Gothic, we're diving deep into the haunting of another of those houses, another grandiose Victorian, this one in the quiet town of Burnham, Maine. This episode, you'll hear three stories. The first from Alyssa, the second from her sister Bethany, and the third from Alyssa's friend Becky. All of these stories happened in the same house. So, without further ado, here's Alyssa. My name's Alyssa, and I'm going to tell my ghost story happened in Burnham, Maine. We moved to this house when I was five. And my sister was not yet one. And my brother was older, so he was six. I... Seems like right away I remember just weird stuff happening and being afraid, especially in my room. It was a very big Victorian house. Sits very close to the post office, so it's right in the village. The first weird thing that I remember that happened was when we moved from the town we were at, which was probably 20 miles, we lost our cat. 
shortly before we moved. Didn't see him, didn't see him, and we lived in the in the house in Burnham for probably a month. And we came home one day, all of us in the car at once. Nobody was home. And we came home and the cat is sitting inside the house in the front window. Well, that was like the first weird thing that I remember. Um, my sister, who was just a toddler, always talked about her imaginary friend named Rosie Rose. And, I mean, she had full-on conversations with this Rosie Rose, and we, you know, always were told that it was just her imaginary friend. And that's what my mother assumed it was. She would say things to my mother like, uh, that man came into my bedroom last night, and Mom would say, wow, like what man? And Beth would say, well, he just sits on my bed and pats my head and says it's going to be all right. So my mom just, I think, initially put it down as, you know, a little kid. Years ago, this was before we lived there, the people next door had a daughter and she would babysit at that house and she would see a little girl ghost all the time. All the time. That's pretty interesting that my sister had that little imaginary friend and that somebody has, you know, seen a little girl ghost there. I was always, always afraid of my bedroom. I would, I, you could come up over the stairs and across the hallway was my bedroom. I would start running at the top of the stairs and hit the sill of the door sill of my room and jumped onto my bed. I didn't want to walk on the floor in that bedroom. Sometimes it was worse than others. It wasn't always that way, but I remember specifically doing that, running up the stairs to get a little steam going to jump across the room onto my bed. <laughs> I would always yell for my parents in the middle of the night because I would say, there was a man in my closet. And my father would question me about this man in the closet. And I would say that he dressed up really funky in really funky things like a pink and purple polka dotted pajamas with a cape and just funky outfits and I don't I didn't ever say that it was a clown so I don't think it was a clown just a, a weird man that was in the closet I would see small animals on the floor of my room in the middle of the night. Um, they weren't really guinea pigs and they weren't rats, but they were small animal like that. And they were black and white. I remember them specifically, small black and white furry animals. There were two of them usually. And there was always sounds from that 
house. Weird noises. Some spots were, were more scary than others. I thought my room was quite scary. Um, the basement was like the basement from hell. It had an open stairway, you know, so you could see through the stairs. And it was a dirt floor, very large house. I mean, this was a 14-room house. We were told that it was a hotel at one time. I'm not sure if that's a true story or not. I'm, I, I don't know. The cellar, like the front part of the house, it was lower, a lower ceiling in that part of the cellar, and it was very dark back there. And nobody wanted to go that in that direction. We wouldn't stack wood over there when we burned wood in that house. It was just this big, open, empty space. I remember the oil tank being over there, but no, nobody wanted to go over there. And then in another part of the cellar, my mother kept the canned goods. And of course, you know, she'd send us kids down to the cellar after the canned goods. And under the, under the stairs was this big dark space. There was some big storage boxes under there, wooden storage boxes. But man, that was scary. I would run so fast up over those stairs. Because you were sure that something was going to reach through and grab you. And of course, we had to go down cellar to check the furnace and things like that. It just was a dreaded thing to go down there. Um, you know, the hair would stand up on the back of your neck and on your arms. It was just a creepy, creepy place. My mother did fall down those stairs at one point, and I remember her telling her friend that something grabbed her ankle. And she fell in it and she broke her ankle. But it wasn't something she really talked about a lot. I fell down the attic stairs when I was in the fourth grade. And I I am not sure how I fell down the stairs. There was nothing, you know, to trip me up. It was like stairs were there. Um, not that I specifically remember being pushed, but it was weird because those stairs were stacked kind of on top of the stairs to the cellar stairs and there was a third set of stairs too and somebody I know fell down that third set of, set of stairs when she lived there it was just a weird thing about those stairs being stacked on top of each other and I don't know it was just weird to me my brother never talked about any sort of incident he didn't really ever talk about it at all. And my mother and father didn't either. But my father said he would come in because I would read at night, all night long. And my father would come in to shut my light off. And I would be in there with my eyes open, but sleeping, which is weird. But my room was very strange, I thought. We were told that a uh, guy built the house for his wife and daughter. It was very large, kind of a fancy house. The fireplace was a marble, it had marble tile. It was intricately carved. It was just gorgeous. Really pretty house. And 
we were told this guy built it for his wife and daughter and it was right on the river in Burnham Village and we were told that his wife and daughter were in a rowboat in the river behind the house and it overturned and they both drowned. The, the man was so distraught he hung himself in the master bedroom. So I don't, I don't know if any of that is true. I don't know, really, I don't even know when the house was built. It was quite an old house. It had a dumbwaiter in it. Um, the dumbwaiter had been taken out, but the door was still in the dining room. And my mother nailed that door shut. She, we would, when, at one point, we could still open the door and there was kind of a hollow sound. You know, you could yell down it and make a hollow sound. And, ooh, she would get so, she'd, she'd get irate with us for opening that door. And pretty soon, uh, after that, she, she would nail it shut. We weren't allowed to really open that door at all. I, I really got the sense at the time that she was afraid of that. That's why she nailed it shut. So, oddly enough, um, I went to a friend of mine who does QHHT, which is Quantum Healing Hypnosis Therapy, maybe? Or Technique? Anyway, QHHT, she puts you in touch with your higher self, right? So, you're answering questions. It's your voice. You're aware of everything, but you're you're answering these questions that you didn't know the you knew the answers to. I had this thing done, right? It's hypnosis, basically, and she has you come with some questions that you want answered, right? So I ask questions about the the house in Burnham. The thing about the Burnham house was that it was on right there on the river because there was an island right there. The, uh, the river split and there was an island. This was in back of the house in Burnham. Um, and there was an Indian settlement there. So there's some sacred ground right there. And also asked me if I could heal that house in Burnham. Heal the um, angst of the, the people. Or I don't know if it was the Indian people or the people that lived there at the time. I don't know. But I said yes, and, I, and supposedly I did it. I've never ever, of course, been in touch with any of those people of the house in Burnham that live there um, currently, but uh, it would be interesting to find out, wouldn't it? <laughs> a couple years ago, I had a friend who brought another friend, Becky. And we're talking, you know, and I knew this girl was from Burnham. And I knew her, I, I didn't know her, but I had heard the name. And so, in further conversation, we have the same birthday. November 24th, we both have that same day. And so we were talking, and I said, so where, where did you live in Burnham? And she said, just a couple of houses up from the post office in that big white Victorian. <laughs> and I said, you're kidding me. I lived in that house for 
15 years. And she said, really? And we both said, kind of, we looked at each other at the same time, and we said, that house is haunted as shit. <laughs> and um, I said, really? I said, I know. I said, I had the bedroom at the top of the stairs. And I said, I would run up the top of up those stairs and jump. She said, oh my God, she got this weird look on her face. She said, that was my bedroom. And she said, I would do the same thing. I would run until I could jump across from the, the door cell to your bed. Ah, Lissa, you are awesome for sharing your story so candidly. Next, we'll hear from Alyssa's sister, Bethany, who has her own take on what it was like to grow up with ghosts. That's next when Pine State Gothic continues. We share a lot of childhood experiences with our siblings. For Alyssa and Bethany, this happens to include growing up amidst paranormal activity. We've heard from Alyssa. Now Bethany's going to tell us what that was like for her. My name is Bethany, and my experiences happened in Burnham, Maine. I lived there from the age of one through the age of 14. We lived in a Victorian home in the center of Burnham Village. I don't remember the year it was built. I know that it was built before inside bathrooms because it was the first house in central Maine with an inside bathroom. I remember um, so many experiences throughout the time that I was there. However, my first memories are on the stairwell going up to the second floor. As a Victorian home, it had quite an ornate stairwell, and it had a number of stairs, probably 15 or 20, then a 4 by 6 landing, and then another 10 or 12 stairs. And on that landing, there was a set of stained glass windows. The ceiling went to 20 feet about, and... The largest window was very high up, but the smaller diamond-shaped stained glass window was close to the floor, and I could sit on the windowsill and did quite often as a little girl, played there, um, played house. I would just like to sit in that window. And my mother would come up over the stairs to go up to the second floor, and I would ask her to be careful of the little old man on the stairs or I would tell her to go around him. He was, you know, playing with me. And she would accommodate me like it was a, an imaginary friend and keep going up the stairs. There were nights when she would ask me, you know, how I slept or how I was feeling. And I would always say, well, the little old man has come in my room. You know, he sat on my bed or he was in my rocking chair. And she really didn't think anything about it until a day when we were across the street from our home at um, Mrs. Reynolds's house. And she was an older lady, probably in her early 90s when I was a child. 
and she had lived in that home her entire life. And I used to go over and she would show me how to make things. She was always very crafty and, and <laughs> kept me busy for my mother. And one day I was over there and my mom was with me and she was looking um, at pictures of the old of our house because uh, Mrs. Reynolds had some. And she was asking her questions about our home. And I happened to go over to look at the pictures as well. And I pointed out a person in the picture and said, Mama, there's the little old man. And Mrs. Reynolds looked at Mother and said, That's the man that built your home. And my mother said, Oh, really? And she said, Yes, and I have a picture of his daughter. He had built the home for he and his daughter because his wife has had died, as I understand. And when she pulled out the picture of the gentleman who built our home and of his daughter, I looked exactly like his daughter. So my mom never said anything. There was never any expression from her. She never said anything to me. And I was quite young at that point. I was probably five or six. And life went on. I played with the little old man. I talked to him. I never felt threatened by him in any way, but he would come regularly and sit in the rocking chair in my room when I would go to bed at night and or sit on the end of my bed. There was, however, other entities within the house that were not so friendly. And mainly, I remember that being in my sister's closet uh, in her bedroom. She had a quite a deep closet. Uh, it was a big closet. And there wasn't a night that went by that you didn't close the bedroom door. Because if you didn't, it felt like you were being watched or that something was coming out of the closet at you in the evening. There were many times when you were in the bedroom sleeping and you'd wake up to the closet door being open. At one point, I shared the bedroom with my sister and I did not go to bed without the covers over my head in that room. Uh, I would wake up and see hands coming up over the sides of the bed at me and was so scared in that room. I didn't, I don't think there was a night that went by that I didn't jump from the doorway to my bed when I had to turn the light off. I never turned the light off and walked to the bed. I was afraid in that room. That was relatively close in proximity if you went straight up through the floor to the attic where it was a very dark feeling in the attic as well. Uh, when you went up to the attic, you would be very careful not to go to the front portion of the house. You kind of stayed away from it. You just didn't want to go there. The back end of the, the attic felt fine. Uh, never any feelings there. And we would play up there, but never towards the front part of the attic. And there was a time my sister was playing in the attic and she came down the stairs and fell down the stairs. And she said it felt like she was pushed. Uh, my mom said she must have tripped and fallen, but uh, she fell down over the attic stairs and hit her head on my mother's hope chest that was at the bottom of the stairs. Another incident happened 
from, I don't know what age I was, I would say I was a bit older, probably seven or eight, I was in the next set of stairs that were below that one, same column of stairs going up, up through the whole house. And um, I was going from the front end of the house around to where the attic stairs were. And I, I was pushed and fell down the second set of stairs. Uh, they were servant stairs, I believe, in the original home that went down to the kitchen. And I fell down those stairs and cut open my back. The other incident with the stairs is the next set of stairs down uh, that went into the cellar in that same column of stairway. My mother fell down the stairs into the cellar and broke her ankle. So it seems like that was a really um, dark place. That was a place that nobody really went without running upstairs or avoiding that set of stairs because you could always feel that something was right behind you or beside you, especially in the basement. Our cellar was, um, I love to open the cellar door and look down into the cellar and smell the earthy smell of the, the cellar. But once you hit the stairs, you didn't want to be there. My mother would send us down for canned goods and we could make it to the canned goods section, which was right to the left of the stairs with no problem. But when you turned around and tried to come back up the stairs, you literally ran without trying to touch steps because there was something under the stairs that scared us all. I really feel like, you know, that was kind of like this traveling space for, for whatever was there went up and down that stairway. The other portion of the cellar that was so scary was the front portion of the house. It was so dark and felt so oppressive that you just didn't go near it. I don't think I was ever near that um, portion of the house in the cellar because I was so afraid of it. Uh, there were noises we would hear. Um, I liken it to a, a low growl down there. I don't know if I ever really heard a growl, but that's what it felt like inside. Um, like my gut felt the growl happening down there and would try to leave the basement as quickly as possible. I'm sure friends experienced things because it felt like we didn't have many friends who stayed overnight. They would come visit, but they didn't like to stay. I had um, a friend in about, it was in junior high, who came to stay, and she, the next morning, said she would never stay again. She was scared to death. There were, you know, things pulling at her blankets and things trying to wake her up all night long. And I was sleeping next to her and never experienced anything at that point. Of course, I was so used to things that happened in that house that probably I just learned to live through them. I don't know if my brother had any experiences in the house. He has never talked about it. My sister and I, uh, now in our adult lives, have been able to talk about it with each other and share experiences 
that we were both like, you know, we couldn't believe that we experienced the same things or felt the same way about certain areas in the home. My grandmother was a uh, very Christian lady. She was a pastor's wife for years. And I can remember feeling like her room when she lived with us for a while, probably from the age of six or seven till the age of about 10, she lived in our home. I always felt like her room was the least active room in the house. And that is probably because she was um, a devout Christian and prayed and sang. Um, I never felt any unease in her room at all. There were many closets in the house that you would feel at uh, ill ease in our coat closet downstairs. Although I'm sure that my sister went in there quite often. That was her telephone booth. (laughs) I did not like that closet. Uh, I was afraid of it. I felt like the back of the closet was um, kind of the place not to be. But she would go in there and sit quite often. That house was very active. Noises at night that you would hear the floorboards creak, the stairs creak as you were going up. And my father would always tell us it was just the age of the house. It was, you know, old and creaky and we would hear things. But it definitely was an active home as I was growing up. My imaginary friend that was a little girl was... uh, Her name was Rosie Rose, that's what I called her. Everything she owned was hot pink. It was hot pink money, hot pink hair, hot pink car, but that was my favorite color as a child. Um, She was with me a lot. I didn't go anywhere around the home the lot without Rosie Rose with me. Uh, The little old man stayed in the house specifically. So we're not sure if Rosie Rose was actually the man's daughter or someone else who lived in the house before us uh, now. We're unsure of that. I tend to be able to sense when there are spirits or entities around. Uh, I do have done that since living in that home. I wish my parents had been more willing to talk about things that happened. I know as I got older, I was able to say to my parents things that happened to me. And my mom was more accepting of it. Uh, It wasn't until recently, before my father died, that we talked about it. And he real I could tell he was really listening to me. And he knew that I was being serious. These things had happened to me. But people don't like to talk about it. It makes people really uneasy to talk about seeing somebody or knowing that there's a spirit in their house. Thank you so much for sharing, Bethany. Next, we hear from Becky. Becky and Alyssa never knew each other until they met as adults far removed from their childhoods in Burnham. They immediately hit it off, and as their friendship grew, they realized that not only do they share a birthday, they had both lived in the same haunted house.
I'm Becky. When I was a teenager, I grew up in in the house in Burnham. Um, we were, I was just short of my freshman year at MCI, so I was 12, 13 years old. And the middle, late 80, you know, 86, maybe 87. My mother bought the house. We lived in Clinton. We moved in. Uh, there was a real bad bat problem that we, you know, dealt with. My mom ended up contacting Colby College. Um, they came and did a study and fumigated and recorded a colony of bats living in there. And uh, however, they did fumigate, but we did not ever get rid of the bats. The bats were always there, and it was something that me and there was three of us girls. Uh, that we were terrified of and dealt with all the time. And um, the house, you know, we knew how old that it was and as teenagers, you know, we, we always teased each other. Um, my sister, Jennifer, had a bedroom that hooked my mother and, you know, I used to try to scare her and we used to tell her that her room was the nursery, you know, and we, we, we did scare her. And at one point we um, got a Ouija board with the neighbor girl and got her to come in my room and we had a candle and we had the Ouija board was was working it was the only time we used it in the house and um the neighbor girl was like hey if there's anyone here <laughs> give us a sign well the candle blew out and the door slammed shut it was winter time it wasn't we didn't have the windows open we didn't even have the shades open um and we really had just started doing what we were were doing just asking if anybody was there kind of went to yes and then I said the neighbor girl was like well if there's somebody here give us a sign and it was it was it terrified my sister I was like freaked but I was kind of excited but Jennifer was done she thought we were possessed she was terrified and we we didn't use the Ouija board again in the house just because nothing bad happened but my mom was very spiritual and you're not supposed to play with the Ouija board. So I didn't know that, I was like 13. So we didn't do it again, we got rid of the Ouija board. Um, you know, and, and for years, nobody, you would go up the stairs, you'd be scared. If you woke up in the night to go to the bathroom, you turned every light on and you went to the bathroom. It was even to be, you know, a 13 room home is a big home. So I would stay up, you know, and. Uh, I, my other friend was like, you know, I didn't have friends that slept over. It was scary at my house. I stayed at their houses. I probably have two or three friends that maybe slept over one or two times. I can remember being pregnant with my son, and I had one of, you know, the crocheted Afghans. And I remember watching TV, and a bat just flew down and landed on my knee. I mean, so it just was a constant through until, I mean, I had my first child and um, my mom was like, well, I had preterm labor and she was like, just move back in. So I, I had moved out and moved back in for the end of my pregnancy because I kept going into labor or whatever. And I'd been upstairs and our back stairwell was very steep and there was a door that shut that came into the kitchen. And I slipped, I don't know, I fell, I spilled out into the kitchen floor through the shut door. I ended up in the hospital and they did put me on the monitors for a little while. I was pregnant, the stairs are steep, it could have been absolutely anything, but it, I didn't go back upstairs, I, you know, and it was, it was just bizarre. You know, we had a lot of weird things. My sister Jennifer, before I had my son, had twins, and 
they were my she was a single mom you know teenage pregnancy so they lived at home with the babies Jenny did and my mom was upstairs and she claimed something woke her up told her the house was on fire to get up and she did and she went in the basement and our furnace was on fire she caught in time in the morning every both of the twins had soot in their noses and it could have been but my mom that's the most unbelievable thing that happened but our house our furnace was for real on fire and that night in the basement and something woke my mother up out of a dead sleep and told her to get up the house was on fire so we all always felt a presence or something in there nothing that was terrifying by any means and you know once us girls grew up uh, my mom got divorced and she was there alone she ended up closing off the top half of the house and lived only in in the first floor for I don't know maybe like a year she ended up moving to Buffet she's lived there ever since remarried and um, my cousins bought the home from her once I moved to Florida they divorced and ended up selling the house so I don't I don't have contact with them, but I'd be curious um, to know. So, um, we all grew up, the house you know, changed. I lived my life and moved back to, to Maine five years ago. And um, a mutual friend of mine is friends with Alyssa. So I ended up going over you know, to, to visit and see her home. And the first time we met, we you know, we talked and we really didn't discuss our childhood, nothing like that. So, you know, I'd probably gone three or four times. And then we realized we had the same birthday. So it was like, oh, you're my birthday twin because we're friends on Facebook. So it does tell you that was how we first realized the, the connection. And we ended up talking another time I visited about our childhoods. And she was like, oh, I grew up in Burnham. And I said, I grew up in Burnham too. And I said, I lived two houses down from the post office. And she was like, oh my goodness, I lived two houses down from the post office. And I was like, no. She was like, yes. She was like, did you ever, you know, were you guys scared? I was like, we, that place was scary. I mean, it is. As me and Alyssa started talking about this stuff, then we realized your bedroom was there. Oh my gosh. Well, then I also later, I had the room that was more near to the, to the attic, to the bathroom, but everything was all open. There was no doors there. There was only a door downstairs that at the very base of these steep stairs and an open stairwell through that L room that went up into the attic. The bathroom was so cold. It didn't matter what time that bathroom was cold. The toilet seat was freezing. It was freezing in that bathroom always. Always. The bathroom is like, it's one of the biggest bathrooms you'll go in. It's like a hall and then it opens up into this giant room. And when we were kids, there was a big clawfoot tub in there. My mom had it removed and um, replaced it with, you know, a modern stand-up shower and tub. But it was, it was, that bathroom was creepy. Um, there was one downstairs and like, you know, we would... If I got up at night, I'd go downstairs to go pee before I would go in that bathroom. Or we'd turn, like, straight all the lights on. If you were watching, like, I would always be up late. And I, you know, I would 
freak myself out. But you would hear stuff. You would hear, like, noises in the attic laying in your bed. Like, walking. You know? All of us. Even if you didn't see something, you heard it or you felt it. It was more like that. My mother's the only person that had anything speak to her or touch her. I mean, I wasn't touched. I was scared and I felt presence all the time and I was very aware that I did not want to be in the dark and then Alyssa was like oh my god I always felt like something was watching us too and we heard noises and you know it was something we you know we it was bizarre and all these years later, like, to be recalling stuff, you know, like the, the story of my mom. Like, it, it took me, like, oh, yeah, that happened. Or, you know, because this was just, I mean, it was just life. It was where we lived. And it was an old home, and we really enjoyed remodeling the home. Um, we found some really neat things in the walls, you know, like photos and postcards and gift wrap they insulated the homes with some really neat stuff back then you know and there was it was old old so to meet somebody like that like who else lived there you know like uh, before us so it was it was just flooring to find out all that I have about Alyssa and then to to really truly be friends like I really really love her you know she's a wonderful person and not only are we birthday twins we share this crazy story that you know if we were younger and figured it out it might not have been so crazy but for me to have, I've left here I raised my family I was married and divorced and come home you know almost 25 years later like, how do you know you're not on your path you know like there's certain things in this world that happen and I don't think they're just coincidences I don't believe that especially something like this this is too many things to just be coincidence and there's a reason thank you again to my contributors Alyssa Bethany and Becky for trusting me with your stories this episode featured music by Blue Dot Sessions Pine State Gothic is edited and produced by me, Leah Watkins. I want to hear your experiences of the mysterious side of Maine. Please email your stories to pinestategothic at gmail.com. Take a nice deep breath. I want to speak to your higher self again, please. All right. Um, I have another question. May I continue? Yes. When she moved to Burnham, that big Victorian house. Yes. What was in that closet or what was in that house that she was so fearful of? What did she She said she saw little animals like rodent type things. Yes. Um, what were they? They were residual energies. Residual energies, okay. So is she sensitive to residual energies? Yes. Okay. What caused her to fall down those stairs? Why did she have that fall and that head injury when she was in the fourth grade in that house? What caused that? 
She was upstairs in the attic. There were places in that house she didn't really want to go in. Mm -hmm. She was coming down from the attic. What caused her to have that? Why did she plan that injury at that time in her in this lifetime? What was the purpose of that injury? It wasn't for her purpose. What was it for? It was for her parents' purpose. Okay, she had the injury because of her. Was it something that she had planned then? Well, not planned on a conscious level. It was pre-planned. It was pre-planned in, in, in some way. Okay. Yes. Like soul agreement? Like a destiny. Okay. And it was for her parents? Yes. And what was the reason? Why did her parents have to experience that? Slow down and pay attention. Okay. And did they? Yes. Okay. So that kind of put the stops on uh, a lot of things when she had that injury, didn't it? Yes. All right, so um, when Alyssa hears this on the recording, she's going to understand why it was a soul agreement that she had. Yes. She kind of um, had that to um, help with the expansion of her parents. It was a means to an end, yes. Okay, very good, very good. Is there, uh, there are still people living in that house. Is there an energy in there that we could bring up today and clear from that house? Or is it just residual energy that's there? Is there any stuck energy there that, that we could speak to? There is. Okay, may I do that? Yes. Okay, so we're going to bring that energy up and we're going to let Alyssa use its voice. Bring that energy up, 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 up. Good afternoon. What are you doing in that house? What are you doing in that house in Burnham? You're protecting the house. You're protecting the house. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, are you male or female? Neither. Neither. Okay. So how long have you been there in that house? Since its inception. Okay. Since it was built? Yes. Okay, and um, how did you lose your body? I didn't have a body. You didn't have a body. What are you doing on that land then? I am the land. You are the land. Okay. Yes. All right. Um, so uh, why do people get, um, what type of vibration are you giving off in that house? as the land that is built on. It's, it's sacred. It's sacred land? Yes. Okay, all right. All right, so that house is still there. Is there a way that we can transmute the energy or ask you to transmute the energy to a more loving energy to the occupants of that house? Can shift the vibration. Okay. All right. And that will make you feel better too, won't it? As yes. the land. Yes. All right. Very good. Very good. So what are we going to shift the vibration to? There's 
There's underground water flowing there. Okay. All right. As well as the river. All right. And that water, is it got memory in it? Yes. Okay. What type of memory is that water holding? Ancient. Ancient. Is there suffering in that water? Or is there knowledge in that water? Knowledge. Is knowledge, okay. Mm. All right. So when when you say that we can shift the energy, what are we going to shift that vibration in that water that will affect that house in a positive way so people won't feel disturbed by it? Going to raise that. Raise the vibration. Raise the vibration. Very a good. Higher vibration. All right. And how are you going to do that? What are you going to use to do that with, please? Love. All right. Very good. What color is that love? Pink. Beautiful. Will you now spread that beautiful pink energy all through that house, all through that land that that house occupies, and any surrounding areas? Completely raise that vibration. And tell me when you're done doing that, please. Can I ask you also to shift the vibration of the experiences that Alyssa had as a little girl in that house, the terror that she felt, the, um, she was so afraid. Can you transmute that now with that love energy back to that little girl, Alyssa? Mm-hmm. Will you spread that, uh, go back to where she was a little girl? and raise that vibration so she could experience that as a little girl and remove the fear. And then we'll do another exercise with her higher self. Is that something you can do for her? Yes. Very good. Is she feeling it? Yes. Already you're filling her with that beautiful pink love energy? Yes. I thank you so very much. Tell me when that's done, please. It is. All right, very good. And may I ask you now to return to that land? It's where you're supposed to be, is that correct? Mm -hmm. Very good, and thank you for your help today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. May the love and the light of the universe always accompany you. Take a nice deep breath, Alyssa. Mm -hmm.